Okay, Daniel chapter 9. <clears throat> Let's read again the first 19 verses. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hashawaris, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at, as at this day, we have sinned and we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O, o our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord. Make your, your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. 
Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. What is the first 19 verses of Daniel 9 all about? It's one of those things that it's, there is so much in there that we can glean that you just feel like going, you can't, you can't get it all. You can't, you can't say it all. It's, it's got um, a great template for prayer. It, it, and even before that, it starts with Daniel reading the Word of God. He was reading Jeremiah. There's one translation. I'm not sure what it is. I, I couldn't find it in the, the few that I looked at that, that says, the ESV says that he perceived in the number, in the books, the number of years. Does the NIV say in the Scripture? There's a translation that says in the Scripture. And it's like that kind of kind of jumps out that Daniel was was reading uh, God's word. It says scripture. Okay, so you've got you've got prayer, you've got reading uh, the word, you've you've got just Daniel's um, high view of who God is. He says, "You are great and awesome. You keep your covenant, your steadfast love. You, you've got Daniel's promises." In, in, in here, I mean, not Daniel's promises, God's promises in, in, inside these 19 verses. You've got his confession. To confess sort of implies what? It's more than implying. Why do you confess? For forgiveness because you have sinned. So it meant... How many times does Daniel mention Israel sinning or their iniquities? Last Sunday night, we were uh, do, when we do the rerun, or it's collectibles recycled, whatever we want to call the 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 five o'clock meeting. Somebody, actually, a couple of people pointed out sin. How often do we hear? about sin these days, and yet Daniel is, is clearly confessing. He is, he is moved deeply because of Israel's sin. What did, what did he do? He put on, uh, he was fasting, he put on sackcloth and ashes to just show his, his remorsefulness and his mourning for, for the sin of the people. In, in 1973, it just kind of jumps out the date. 1973, a, a Christian psychiatrist named Carl Menninger wrote this book called Whatever Became of Sin. Now, that was his perspective almost 50 years ago. So what about now? If, if, if he was questioning what became of sin in 1973, those were practically the good old days. I mean, I know they weren't the 50s when there was nothing wrong, but it was, it was like the, the good old days compared to now. Basically, you had a few hippies to deal with, but, you know, the rest of the society was, yeah, not too bad. But he said, whatever became of sin and that we, that, that just 
through the, the ages, through time, that sin or the, the discussion of sin has been uh, suppressed and, and, and almost as if it's been removed from our, from our vocabulary and, and, our, and, and our discussion. So, we, so we, have, we have all of these different aspects, all of these, these different, I think, just, just uh, benefits that we can glean from, from these verses. Which one jumps out the most at you? Do you see it, Daniel's view of, of, of God, that he calls him great and awesome, and then he goes through and he, and he, uh, and he talks about God's faithfulness, God's righteousness, in contrast with, with Israel. He says that to us, O Lord, belongs open shame. If sin is a rarely used word, shame is its twin. It, do we even talk about the shame of, of sin or because of, of doing anything wrong these, these days? That there's no shame in, in anything. Well, if that's how you felt like you should act or, or how you should live, then, then, then it's okay if, if, it's, if that's your, your choice, your, your, your lifestyle. Okay, going back to the question, which one jumps out the, the most at, at, at you? He's, he starts in, in his prayer with adoration, acknowledgement, praise to God that in, in verse 4. Yeah, you're great and awesome. You keep your, com your covenant and your steadfast love. And then he moves into confession. Look at the proportion, the percentage of Daniel's prayer that is either adoration for God or, or confession compared to his supplication or petition. That, that most of the prayer has to do with, with confession. And he's, and he's including himself. That, that's a very good point, that he's not saying, look at these people that I'm here in Babylon with, my, my Jewish brethren. They have sinned. He's, he's, he's not saying that. He's, he's we have sinned. And when, when we get into the, to the answer to Daniel's prayer... In verse 20, he says, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of, my, of the people, my people Israel, so that he, he lumps himself in there with them. Even though Daniel's one of the, they say two Old Testament figures that there is not a, a or major characters, that there's not a, a recorded sin regarding them that we know they're sinners because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Solomon at the dedication of the temple said, when, when your people sin, parentheses, and everyone sins, but Daniel and, and, and the patriarch Joseph, 
Jacob's son, Joseph, that they say there's, there's really nothing, no sin recorded about them, you know, contrary to David or Solomon or all the other kings. But yet we know Daniel sinned and he lumped himself in, in with them. And so he, 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 he starts with that praise, with that, that adoration and acknowledgement of who God is. And then he turns to confession. And what does he confess? Look at, look at, this may not be the first one, um, well, yeah, actually it is. Verse 5, we have sinned and done wrong, acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. So an easy way to categorize that would be a sin of commission. They have, they have committed sin. They have rebelled against God and not, they've turned aside from his commandments and rules, acted wickedly. A, 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 a sin of commission. Look at the next one in verse 6. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. Sometimes we would call that a sin of omission. And don't be like the little boy in Bible school that I heard about that they asked him, you know, they said there's sins of commission and sins of omission. What's the sin of omission? And this unnamed little boy said, well, that's a sin you plan on committing, but you hadn't got around to doing it. That, that's not a sin of omission. A, a, a sin of omission is doing something that, not doing something that we should do. What, what is he saying here? We have not listened to your, your servants, the prophets. We, we have... We have neglected to listen to, obey what, what you have said. I'm, I'm, I'm searching for a, um, a little quote that I came across that in Dr. Constable's notes, he, he quotes uh, another scholar named Leopold who says, to disregard God's word is the beginning of all moral disorders. And, and, and I, think, I think it's right. We can, as individuals, not to look at just society, because should we expect non-believers to obey God's Word? I mean, no. But, but to, to look inwardly at myself, if I disregard God's Word then it's, it's, that's just the beginning of moral ineptitude, moral disorders in, in, my own, in my own life. And Daniel, what prompted all of this? What prompted his, his, his prayer? He was reading Scripture. He was doing anything but disregarding God's, God's uh, Word. And he came in Jeremiah and he read where 70 years are decreed for the, the, the nation to go back to Israel. And he was compelled to pray. Well, if God has already decreed 70 years, then why should Daniel pray at all? That's, that's the bonus question. 
if, if God is sovereign and has decreed it, then why should we pray at all? Nobody's helping me. Or is it? It, it. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but if it's God's plan, I mean, I know I want him to, to do what's in his plan. You know, I pray that that happens. But I'm not sure what the plan is. <laughs> you know, so. Is God trying to straighten out this country? I think prayer is agreeing with God. He's a, we're agreeing with God. Also, prayers in the Bible actually change God's plan sometimes. Did something else when people prayed. Um, also, prayer is worship. So, and we're commanded to pray. I think there's lots of reasons to pray. If it's your will, mm -hmm. if it's his will. Yeah, that several occasions, even just during the Exodus, that, that God that Moses prayed and said that God changed it. Did he really change his mind? Well, that's how we can understand it, you know. But, but, and so God uses um, means for bringing about his purposes. And, and one of those means is people and people's action. The, the gospel will be preached and will we'll spread to all nations. What is the means? The preaching of the word, you know, and how shall they hear if there's not a preacher so that, so that, that, that God, you know, is moved by the prayers of his, of his people, like, like, like John said. So that we shouldn't avoid praying just thinking that, well, God's going to bring it about anyhow. It's like, no, that's, that's not, at, you know, Daniel didn't do that. Daniel knew what Daniel believed what Jeremiah had said, and yet he, he looks around him and he says, we, we, haven't, we haven't confessed, you know, and that, that, that the promises in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, even going forward in Jeremiah 29, you know, after that verse that we put on coffee cups and T-shirts that I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, which may be one of the biggest context violations and the history of context violations. And then he goes on and says, if you come to me, if you pray, you know, then I will forgive you. So he, he, he knows God's promise, but that also it requires action on, on their part. What does he, so, so he's praying the promises that God has promised to do this. And, and he's, he's claiming this promise. But look, notice 
that he claims the promise, a past promise, a promise that's already been fulfilled. In verse 15, Now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, we have sinned. God had promised to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And that was, that was in Daniel's past. And he's, but he's still saying, God, just as you did that, are there past promises that we can claim? God, you promised that any who, who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And, and that we can take that's already happened if we have received Christ as our, as our Savior. And then he, but, he, but he also claims, God, you said that you would bring us back out of the land if we repent. And so he's, he's claiming those promises in his prayer. Right along with that, in verses 17 to 19, he's, it says, For your sake, Lord, for your name on Jerusalem, and for your sake again. I think when I pray, I'm not thinking that. I think of what I need. But that he's praying because of you and your name and your city, your people. Could that not change the way we pray? What, you know, am, am I praying for my sake? I mean, sometimes yes, and sometimes that may be valid, but Daniel's highest priority is what? For God's own glory while he's praying. How was God going to be glorified in this, in Israel returning to Jerusalem, to returning to the, the land? That he had called them out of all nations and said, I'm giving you this. And God even allowed his name to be soiled in a way when he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the temple, Jerusalem, take the people to captivity that the people around are like, oh, well, Nebuchadnezzar's God is greater than Israel's God. Daniel's saying, make your name be glorified. Are there times when I don't know what to pray? We don't know what to pray? It's like, okay, I, I know I should pray, but are there times when, when we struggle with that. I mean, certainly. So, so out of the things that, that we've are just read and, and people have mentioned, John's mentioned and other people have mentioned, can those things help us in our prayer life? Pray for the promises of God. Pray that His name would be glorified. Not, not our own. Well, a lot of times we'll pray, your will be done. Well, it's going to be done anyhow because that's the way it's written. You know? Uh-huh. So why pray? Yeah. It's a circle. Because <laughs> he wants to hear you say, yeah. because your will be yeah. done. Yeah. He already knows, but he likes to hear you say that. And it's... That shows faith. And it's not that we're actually causing God to change his mind, but he, he uses our prayers as a means to bring about his purpose. 
you know, if Moses hadn't prayed for Israel on a few occasions, God said he was going to wipe them out. But it says, you know, God relented and, and, and changed his mind. Well, that's the only way our finite brains can understand it is to say, well, he changed his mind. No, he still knew what he was going to do, but he used the means of Moses' prayer to bring about his, his will. This is quickly getting way above my head of, you know, can I understand that? No. Can I understand the sovereignty of God and, and man's free will? You know, put them together. It's like that will boggle your mind. The best explanation, and I've told you before that I've heard Chuck Swindoll says, it's like a railroad track. You have two tracks, the sovereignty of God, man's responsibility for sin. Without both of them, that train is derailed. They're both, they're both there. And, and even, even Francis, Francis Schaeffer said, we in our minds cannot focus on one without neglecting the other. That, that we can't comprehend them both at the same time. Yes, God is, is sovereign and in total control, but man is also responsible for that his or her actions. And, and so the means through which God uh, uh, many times accomplishes his purpose is through our, our, our prayers. Yeah. We don't do that a lot of times. I don't. We includes me, you know, that it's like, yeah, I don't do that often enough. So it's. And it doesn't take much to become mind-boggling. When, when we, Daniel says, you're the great and awesome God, you know, that, does he get all of it? Okay, I don't really know how to wrap it up. It's kind of, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling. There's, there's too much, there's too much in, in here. 
but we're going to start next time next year. We will start in, in, in verse 20. But Sinclair Ferguson mentions four things that, that Daniel's prayer in, involved and, and, and thinking the inspiration for his prayer was God's word. And so if, if we're not reading God's word, yes, we, we look around and we see our needs, other people's needs, but would we miss the part about who God is if we're not reading his, his word? And that's where Daniel st starts with his prayer. But Sinclair Ferguson says, true prayer is based on the fact that God is a God who speaks. Look at what, he's, what he says, all, how much of this comes out of what Daniel knew from the law of Moses, from Jeremiah, maybe from Isaiah. You know, had, had, had Daniel read Isaiah 45, one would think he has, where it says 150 years before this happens that God is going to use a guy named Cyrus to lead his people back to Israel. You know, is Daniel... Does, does this light bulb come on when he's there on that last night of Babylon's empire? Belshazzar has the great feast, and all of a sudden they're defeated. He knows Cyrus is on his way. I mean, Cyrus's army. And you think, Isaiah predicted this. Is the same guy? Huh. I better start thinking about this, reading about this, that, it, that it's based on the fact that, that God is a God who speaks and that the writer of Hebrews in the first book says that formerly God spoke through the prophets, but now he, in these last days he's spoken through his son and, and that we have that, that full revelation of, of Jesus Christ coming, living, dying, being resurrected and, and ascended, that we have that that, that Daniel did, did not have. And then he says, just like John was saying, true prayer seeks the glory of God. You know, I need to put that on my dashboard, my refrigerator. Uh, you know, true prayer seeks the glory of God. And that then true pr prayer appeals to the mercy of God. Not getting what we deserve, mercy. Not receiving what we sh should deserve, and then finally, that true prayer expresses the needs of God's people. And sometimes we, we, we make people more singular, the needs of God's person, me. I, I'll pray for, the, for my needs, but not the needs of... What do God's people need? Well, we need... Revival. We need peace. We need love. We need repentance, forgiveness. You know that that I plan to go back to this in in my personal life to say what can I glean from this, this prayer? It's, 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 it's one of the greatest prayers recorded in, in, in God's word of, of showing us what, how to pray, what to pray for, and starting with that, pray 
for God's own glory, that his name would be lifted up. He's made his name great and just that that would continue to, uh, to, to be manifest to, to all people. Anything else? Pray, pray for someone who's not a believer. And to pl- pray for someone who's not a believer. Absolutely. I, I may have intimidated myself just just reading this and thinking, I don't, I don't, there's so much in here. There's so much in here that that it's like how how can you how can I grasp everything? And then how, you know, what 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 do you say about this this prayer of Daniel that it started with his reading the word and and it was for the glory of God that his name would be made great. Not that he wanted Israel to receive forgiveness because that's important, but receive their receiving forgiveness would in turn make God's name be glorified. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, you are indeed the great and awesome God that your loving kindness, your faithfulness to your promises is never ceasing. God, may we just glean from Daniel a, a, a way to pray that we might uh, just gain insight on how we're to approach your throne in humbleness, but also in repentance. God, may your Holy Spirit just show us our sins and may we confess our sins knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive our sins. And that, God, that our prayers will be focused on you and for your glory and and not for our own. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.